All right, here we go. Well, good afternoon, and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Teleseminar. Heard every Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock West Coast time, 4 o'clock Eastern. And coming live to you from Maui, Hawaii, where it's 10 a.m. And uh, this is our regular call on the Ageless Wisdom. Our topic for the week is Mind Over Matter Pain Control and the side benefit that comes along with it, Accelerated Healing. I'm saying it in this way for a couple of reasons. I mean, a certain way I could do a show on accelerated healing and then say, oh, by the way, you know, you can manage pain, too, in pretty much the same way. But I'm turning it around, talking about the pain management first, because all you have to do is begin to manage pain and discomfort in your life, whether from illness or injury or maybe it's chronic discomfort you've had all your life in your physical body. And you will see automatically accruing some accelerated healing benefits from that. Secondly, the reason I do it in this order is that last week on this event we talked about emotional pain control, if you will, how to heal emotional hurt and upset by taking responsibility for it and using levels of relaxation, meditation, guided imagery, self-hypnosis, and such, to better understand what a negative emotional feeling, so-called negative, a hurt or upset, anger, depression, whatever, whatever is hurting you emotionally, to reflect upon that in altered states of open, expanded awareness, for a better understanding, which then in and of itself would mitigate and often eliminate the uh, or alleviate the emotional pain. So, as I said in my invitation to you, uh, the parallels are too strong to ignore. I'd like to build upon that. Uh, I, I think it helps everyone to begin to remember that they can manage their emotional pain in much the same way they've learn to manage their physical pain, or let me say that a different way, to begin to see your so-called negative emotional hurt from the upset as symptoms of your condition rather than something that's been done to you. Just like physical pain, maybe somebody kicks you in the shin if it's black and blue, but that bruise tells you more about your body than the person who kicked you in the shins. And if we could remember that emotionally, that the broken part speaks more to your vulnerability than to the person or the group or the circumstance that actually broke your heart. This is a level of responsibility that we need to distinguish from uh, political right-wing responsibility, which means, hey, New Orleans, you're on your own. Nobody, uh, Nobody's coming to help you. Uh, you have to be responsible for your life. No community support, no brotherhood or sisterhood, no kindness. Uh, in, in right-wing politics, that's what responsibility means. Forget the government. We're not common. You're on your own. Um, responsibility in a metaphysical sense, in terms of personal and spiritual development or the study and practice of human potential, uh, it's much more inclusive, much more comprehensive. So let's 
talk about pain. What is it? Again, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, it's an alert. It's a signal. It's a damn good thing. Again, we don't want to suffer either kind of pain. We, we don't want emotional pain. We don't want physical pain, but we're better off with it than without it. An example I used last week in talking about emotional pain is to compare it to the lights and gauges on the dashboard of your car. Um, you may not want those gauges to indicate there's a problem, but if there is a problem, you're better off knowing through the gauges so you can pull over and do something about it than continuing on down the road and the problem gets worse and worse and worse. That's what physical pain is. That's what emotional pain is. It's just a way to get your attention. So doesn't it make sense that once the autonomic or automatic nervous system generates some sort of pain or discomfort and gets your attention, that you ought to be able to reset the alarm? Uh, again, I think I used this example last week. The fire department is here, so turn off the fire alarm. We don't need to continue to hear that blaring siren because uh, help has arrived. So turn the damn thing off. Again, same thing with physical pain and obviously emotional pain as I'm creating this parallel. Uh, if, if the physical pain and discomfort has your attention, now you ought to be able to turn it off. And, and to see the pain is really a good thing. Uh, I know we don't want to feel it, but the, often the, the sooner it gets our attention, the less serious the pain. If we ignore the discomfort, then that pain begins to build. In many cases, it grows because, again, it just wants to get your attention. Like, would you wake up and, and do something about this? And uh, so that's a very important context in which we approach the pain of illness, the pain of injury, and I'd even like to talk a little bit about volunteering <laughs> for the pain and discomfort to go into the dentist because good dental health care requires that we expose ourselves to a little bit of pain and discomfort. And, yeah, they got some pretty good drugs, some Novocaine and Lidocaine, and I'm not sure all the all the different drugs dentists use anymore, Valium cocktails and, and Twilight Sleep, Nitrous Oxide, all of that stuff. But the truth is you don't need it. I have had, not as a result of being insensitive to pain naturally, and certainly not by tolerating pain, but by practicing the tools and techniques that I'm going to share with you a little bit today, I have been able to go to the dentist for 30-plus years. Let's see, when did I learn this? 1974. So, yeah, over 30 years. I've been doing mind over matter pain control at the dentist as well. And uh, dentists, they're always impressed by this. They see it a little bit. They most My current dentist said he's seen two or three people do what I do. It's not difficult. It just is a practice like anything else. If you want to learn to do 
about anything, you know. Play golf or tennis if you want to learn to do the hula hoop or <laughs> play a good game of bridge, whatever. It's going to take some practice. And so this does too. You say, well, don't I suffer in the interim? Well, not really. I think the first time I used pain control at the dentist, I had what I would have to say would be about 80% uh, control that is, I eliminated pain and discomfort uh, to to the vast degree, to the large degree, probably about eighty percent. And then the next visit, I would say ninety percent, and thereafter ninety-five to ninety-eight percent. What's funny about it? Not funny, haha, but funny, strange, is that you can still feel everything that's going on inside your mouth. You can taste the rubber gloves that they now use and the talc on the glove. You can, you can certainly feel the instrument, you know, that suction thing the dentist hangs in your mouth. You can feel all of that, but you just don't feel anything. You don't feel anything that could be described as painful. And it's almost as if what's happening is a filter is being put in. Uh, somehow, uh, I, we, we don't know the biomechanics, we don't know the brain chemistry. Researchers believe it may have to do with the production of serotonins and endorphins and other so-called neurotransmitters, which, uh, or brain brighteners, which enhance the electrical conductivity of the brain and the, and the cerebral spinal fluid in which it sits, the brain and the spine are sitting in fluid that has to conduct the nervous impulses because, as you probably know, brain nerves uh, don't really connect. There's a gap or a synapse, and so the brain and spine sits in this soup, this uh, cerebral spinal fluid. It, it forms in the middle of the brain and is flushed out about every 24 hours. It's perpetually renewed. Fascinating. Even has an ebb and a flow and a tide to it, cerebrospinal fluid, uh, generated in the third ventricle, the hollow in the center of the head. And by meditating there, you can even influence the quality of the cerebrospinal fluid. But we're going to use a simpler and more practical technique, which is Simple guided imagery with relaxation and affirmation to manage pain. And you say, well, I don't know. I don't think I want to learn this at the dentist. Okay, fine. Well, next time you have a little cut or a bruise or a mild headache or a, a tummy ache, acid indigestion, some back pain or joint pain uh, from illness or injury, Again, you can use the same techniques. They're so simple. I'm going to describe them to you today. The real secret is the deep relaxation. The visualization is important. The positive statement or affirmation is important. But the slow breathing, the letting go of muscular tension, and allowing yourself to become deeply relaxed as a response to pain and discomfort, chronic or acute, that's the secret, is the letting go in the face of pain. Again, I'm just going to say it one more time. Notice the parallel here to what we talked about last week with emotional pain. Understanding how emotional discomfort, hurt and upset, is rooted in fear 
And so in the same way, <coughs> excuse me, we need to face the fear in both cases. And it's fear that obstructs you. You move directly at the pain in order to manage it. Okay? Whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, you address it in order to manage it. You have to feel the pain in order to feel it subsiding. Is that clear? This is not about pushing it away. This is about bringing it towards you, whatever the nature of the pain. Headache, uh, backache, joint pain, um, again, acid indigestion. I, I have a great story to tell about acid indigestion and a technique that I just invented on the spot. That's another thing I want to tell you, that when it comes to the the elements of mind over matter pain control, the deep relaxation we talked about, the guided imagery or visualization aspect, which I'll explain, and the the affirmation, uh, the positive statement that reinforces the whole uh, process. The deep relaxation with breathing and a feeling of letting go is probably the most important. The second most important part would be the visualization. And also important, but not as much as the first two, is affirmation and statement. So if the, the, the feeling of deep relaxation is the most important, the next part we really got to get for sure is the visualization, the guided imagery part. And that's where you get to be really creative. There's no right or wrong way to do this. You sort of make it up. You know, trusting your first impression, trusting that your subconscious mind will provide you with the specific imagery that you need to manage the pain and discomfort. Again, pain only exists to get your attention. It's a symptom of your condition. It wants your attention. Once it has your attention and you take a breath and sit down and commit yourself to looking into this, to understanding your pain and discomfort, then there's no reason to experience the pain anymore, at least not at any kind of amplified level. Okay, So there's no part of you, in other words, that needs you to continue to feel the pain. Uh, the body is not stupid. The body and the brain through which the mind operates the body is extremely intelligent and it it knows that you've been injured or it knows that you're ill and it's crying out through the the symptom of, of discomfort or pain to get your attention. It wants your attention. And so once it has it, your undivided attention and you're willing to address it, there's, there's no reason that it would not cooperate in alleviating or at least greatly diminishing the pain and the discomfort. You know, I, I'm surprised, frankly, at my age, that more people don't do this, that more people don't take the time. It's, I mean, come on, this is an hour today, right? And you're going to learn this. Uh, to learn how to relax away their pain, or to learn that pain is a symptom. Most people just don't want to know, you know. They just uh, throw back some pills or some drugs and as if that's a simpler way to go. Actually, if we use medication to manage pain, we're going to slow down the healing process. Um, take, take something as simple as aspirin. If you have a fever, 
I mean, if it's a very, very high, dangerous fever, fine, take some aspirin. But in most cases, if we just have a low-grade fever and we take aspirin, that may break the fever and you may feel better, but the fever was evidence that your body had accelerated the healing process, that it was stoking the fires. You're burning a few extra calories here, uh, fighting the disease and restoring balance to the system. So by taking the aspirin to break the fever, you might feel better, but you're going to prolong the illness. Or if you use, um, let's say you don't like to be nasal. I'm often nasal, even on the radio or these calls. But if I use um, aphrodite or some sort of nasal spray, I just prolong the problem. This stuff <laughs> needs to get out. Right? So take a, a philosophical look at your resistance or the resistance of other people to learning to empower themselves. And, you know, I, I think it comes down to the idea that if I take a little bit of responsibility for my life, I blow my own cover. You know what I'm saying? I, um, I get to the point where I have to be responsible for everything, and it feels like blaming myself. Now I'm going to blame myself for everything. That's not what responsibility is. Uh, I'd just soon you forget the idea of blame, blame of others, blame of self, blame of circumstances beyond your control. Just throw away the word. Don't even use it anymore. It, it, it has no value. It's, it's a meaningless word. It's what people with a helpless victim view of the world use. Uh, to explain their backward mentality. Just purge your lexicon of the word altogether. Don't blame others. Don't blame circumstances. Don't blame yourself, but take responsibility. That's your pain, and and manage it. And uh, you're not going to paint yourself into a corner where now everything is your fault. This is one of the big arguments against using guided imagery for healing is that uh, many in the medical establishment will argue, well, now you're telling them that if they're able to use their mind and their emotions to heal the physical body, that their mind and emotion must have created the condition, and so they're to blame for their heart disease, for their cancer, for their diabetes and, and, and back pain. And no, no, it's not that you're to blame, but you are responsible, able to choose a response, and we are that powerful. Um, if you can manage pain, as you learn to manage pain and accelerate healing, you visit the doctor less and less and less. You use less drugs, and look at the cost of uh, drugs and uh, the Western approach to medicine. Um, not only the financial cost, but the cost in terms of, of health. People are living longer, but uh, at the same time, the quality of life is not nearly as good. I mean, there are many more cancers and much more heart disease as we live older and older. A um, hundred years ago, the average life expectancy was 40 years old, and now it's 75. So we got to take care of this body, and this is a great way to do it. So don't be afraid of taking responsibility. It doesn't mean you're to blame. It means maybe you were victim of, maybe you were blind, blinded by some condition. 
that you didn't expect. The symptom is going to tell you about it. I'd like to talk a little about the work of a Dr. John Sarno. And uh, he's written several books about back pain, where he essentially says all back pain is psychosomatic. Many of you, I'm sure, are also familiar with the Louise Hay book, Heal Your Body, published by uh, Hay House. Uh, she's developed her own publishing company over uh, Santa Monica area, West L.A., as a result of this one book of affirmations, it's an interesting book, Heal Your Body by Louise Hay. It has three columns on every page, uh, the first being the illness or disease, the malady. The second column is the kind of thinking, negative thinking, that can either promote or compound, uh, cause or exacerbate an illness or disease. Uh, the kind of thinking that brings it about or reinforces it. And then the third column is the affirmation, the change in thinking that needs to take place in order for you to better promote a, a natural uh, healing and the pain control that goes with it. I recommend that book. I think it's very, very insightful. For example, uh, she would say that lower back pain uh, has to do on one level with supporting the physical body. Your lower back supports you as you stand erect. But support also means money. So given the natural suggestibility of the subconscious mind, its literal nature, if you're thinking even unconsciously or semi-consciously uh, about money problems and having a tough time supporting myself, that can manifest as back pain in the lower back. Uh, Sarno says that in, in his books on healing the back pain, Dr. Sarno is a Harvard-educated medical doctor, uh, worked with a number of famous, famous people. Sarno's uh, books on back pain say that most people would rather not feel an emotional pain, and their refusal to be in touch with their emotional pain forces the body to express that pain as physical pain. And he says all back pain is psychosomatic, uh, unless you've had an extreme injury. And even then, he's arguing that uh, you got to look at the likelihood that this is a physical pain somewhere in the back that is the result of our refusal to address emotional pain and discomfort. I'd like you to check out both of those sources. Then there are many other wonderful books on natural healing. A groundbreaking book from the early 1970s, I recommend, is called Getting Well Again. 35 years old, this book. Getting Well Again by a medical doctor named Simonton. O. Carl Simonton. First initial O, middle name Carl with a C. Last name Simonton. S-I-M-O-N. T-O-N, a book he wrote with uh, two others, his wife and another person, don't even remember their names, Stephanie Simonton and the third, I forget, but he's the guy. He's he's also an L.A. resident for many, many years, and he did some pioneering work with creative visualization and cancer, putting cancer into remission, especially with little kids using relaxation and visualization. 
also uh, Bernie Siegel's books, uh, in particular Love, Medicine, and Miracles. Again, a medical doctor, a very well-educated, established physician in the traditional Western approach to medicine who understands the placebo effect and the role of bedside manner and attitudinal healing and neuroplasticity, all these different approaches, uh, and, of course, just plain old guided imagery and self-hypnosis and meditation, all of these, uh, you know, they're, they're just different paths to the same place, which is taking responsibility. Siegel, in his book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, tells, um, I was going to say a great story. I think it is a great story. It's a, it has a sad ending, but it's a very powerful story about a woman who is told by her Western medical doctor that she only has a matter of weeks to live, that she has a very aggressive form of cancer, and she should go home and put her affairs in order. And um, she's going to die soon in a matter of weeks. Well, as you can imagine, the woman is devastated. And she goes home, and she's a single woman, uh, she tells her next-door neighbor, who's a friend of hers, about her diagnosis. And uh, the neighbor says, well, listen, girl, don't worry about it at all. There are these clinics in Mexico where they have Latril and uh, a number of other treatments for cancer. They heal cancer in Mexico all the time. And uh, let's go down there. We'll get you all fixed up. So she's excited and enthusiastic and optimistic and off they go to Mexico and they go to one of these cancer control clinics and she gets the Latril and she gets the coffee enema and uh, massage and stress management and herbs and all these wonderful things and lo and behold her cancer goes into remission. Is it because of the Latril? Is it because of the other treatments? Or is it expectation? Is it placebo effect? Um, is it real spiritual healing? Is it faith healing? Is it laying on of hands? How about all of those things? How about it's all of those? <laughs> all of those things rolled into one. Anyway, years go by, as Dr. Siegel tells the story. And one day at the grocery store or a local mall, she runs into this medical doctor that, like six years earlier, had told her she had weeks to live. And at first he didn't recognize her, and then he said, wait a minute, you're Mrs. So-and-so, Mrs. Whoever. You were, um, wait a minute, you were supposed to die. She said, oh, no, I went to Mexico with my neighbor, and we got the Latril, and we got the coffee enemas, and I got massage and herbs and uh, meditation and visualization. All of, I, and I got healed. And there's a pause, and the doctor leans in a little bit, looking her right in the eye, and says, that's a joke. That's not real. That doesn't work. It's a hoax. And two weeks later, she was dead. You cannot separate disease from your attitude about the disease. Do you understand that? We cannot separate our attitude about an injury from 
what it is that brought about that injury in the first place. Okay. Is it really a good idea, given what you know, if you're on this call, you're a pretty special person, given what you know, is it really a good idea to, to say things like, that kills me? Um, I hate it when that happens. That just burns me up. That's a pain in the neck or <laughs> a pain in the butt, and you end up with hemorrhoids. I mean, is that really a smart way? Would you talk to somebody who is hypnotized that way? Would you talk to a child that way and describe carefully, instruct a child on how to experience you see uh, not a good idea the, the, the way the mind thinks is it can't think of a negative a, a, a brain, a mind cannot conceive of, of something not existing so if you say don't think of a zebra well a zebra just popped into your head if you say get out of the tree, you're going to fall and kill yourself, you're suggesting to the person that that might happen. It flashes through their mind. It's perceived as an instruction, and it's more likely to happen. Billy, Billy, get out of the street. You're going to get hit by a car and killed. Wait a minute. Is that really the thought you want to put into Billy's head? And if you understand what I'm saying about kids, then why would you do it to yourself? Why do we talk like this? One of my one of my favorite, most absurd examples of this has less to do with healing than memory, where as soon as we remember something that uh, we wanted to remember sooner, instead of saying, oh, I just remembered, we say, oh, I forgot. And then often we'll go on about how stupid we are and what a bad memory I have. And, gee, I'd forget my head if it wasn't screwed on self-deprecating humor and everybody laughs, laughs but you are listening to yourself talk to yourself that way you are training yourself so here you got from the house halfway to the car and you remembered your car keys instead of saying oh I forgot my damn keys how about good memory I just remembered that I left my keys upstairs I'm going to run up and get them we want to say what we do want, especially about disease, instead of going, or, or injury, instead of going on and on, appealing to our family and our neighbors for sympathy about this pain and that discomfort and this illness, as if we're really reaping some sort of benefit from the sympathy that accrues, what we have to do is talk about how we're getting better and better, feeling better and better. Even if you're getting worse, you can find something, some part that's better and emphasize that so that you've heard me say it all my career for 35 years in the radio, borrowing from the great Emil Kuei, the universal affirmation that every day and every way I'm getting better and better and better. Boy, if it's the only affirmation you ever say to yourself, the only positive language that you have handy that you can pull upon. It's a great universal, uh, what do you say, generic good for what ails you uh, affirmation, a set of instructions to yourself. What self? The higher self, the true self, the eternal spiritual self, the subconscious mind, 
the, the right brain, depending on your paradigm, that's who you're talking to when you talk to yourself. How about saying every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better and better. All the callers are muted, and, and those of you on the web, I can't hear you anyway. So why don't you just say out loud right now or silently if you don't want to call attention to yourself. Say it now, every day, in every way, I'm getting better and better and better. Every day, in every way, better and better. Very powerful and effective. Okay. In a sense, all of reality is psychosomatic. I mean, if we move to the more esoteric, life is one big ink blot test. Reality is perception. Does it have an objective quality, reality that is, uh, qualities that we can agree upon as seemingly fixed and immutable? Certainly, physical reality has an objective quality to it. You drive down the 405, it's going to look pretty much the same as the last time you drive down. There may be a few <laughs> a few changes along the way, but we could agree for the most part even on that. There is an objective quality to reality, hear me clearly. However, having said that and conceded the point, the impact, that the world has on us is largely subjective. Reality is, in fact, a combination of objective and subjective, but the subjective reality of life, your perception of it, is much more meaningful and overwhelms the objective quality that those people who try to frighten you, those people who seek to manipulate and control you, will always emphasize, they'll say to you, get real. That's just your opinion. You need to get real. See? Well, that's their argument. My argument as a philosopher and a journalist and an author and a speaker and a teacher, get real means own your experience of it. Concede that there is an objective quality to physical reality, but be much more interested in the subjective quality Know thyself, to thine own self be true. This disease, this illness, this injury, this painful condition is your personal experience. And you've got to take some ownership of that. It doesn't matter so much what other people say. If they're positive and supportive, that's great. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not telling you that you should never see a doctor or a healer of any kind uh, handle it yourself. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying take responsibility for which doctor you see, if you see him or her, and what is their practice and what is their approach, and are you supplementing traditional medicine, drugs and knives, with alternatives? And most of all, are you practicing the discipline of guided imagery, meditation, uh, visualization, self-hypnosis. Uh, this, this is what we're talking about, to manage the pain and uh, control healing. And as you begin to understand just how plastic reality is, I like this term that's being used in, 
in uh, research laboratories by empirical science, uh, empirical scientists, uh, these guys that emphasize the objective qualities of reality. They're talking about neuroplasticity in the brain, that basically the brain does what the mind tells it to do. I mean, do you understand the implications of that? The brain does what the mind tells it to do? In the chicken and egg, between brain chemistry affects the way you think and feel, and the way you think and feel affects brain chemistry, in that chicken and egg argument of cause and effect, which came first, it's pretty clear now that consciousness comes first. That the way you think and feel affects brain chemistry. That is primary. That brain chemistry then affects the way you think and feel is secondary. And so if you're going to jump into that vicious cycle, that chicken and egg argument, Keep in mind that the prime mover is your belief system and your attitude, your faith, if you will, and your ability to choose a response, your response ability. Okay? And then you can play victim as much as you want and say, well, I got germs in my body, I got a virus, I got bugs and cooties. What do you mean? I fell off the roof and uh, look at <laughs> look at the injury I got on my body. You're going to tell me that's not real? No, I'm going to tell you that it's real, but it's more a function of your perception than anything else. Change your perception, you change the reality of it. And the implications of this in pain management and healing are huge. Okay, it's about 20 minutes before the top of the hour. Again, I want to encourage you, if you have questions or comments, to use the web page in front of you. Uh, John from Pittsburgh says, hi. As always, nice, John, to hear from you. Randall in Dana Point says, aloha. In La Habra, uh, Carol says, hello. Who else do we have? In Montreal, Quebec, Charlotte. And uh, also in Pittsburgh, Amy, i got two people. we got to get John and Amy together here. She says hello. So I appreciate you guys checking in and saying hi. And if you don't have specific questions, then I'll just give you some of my examples. Then we'll uh, do a little exercise so that you can practice. And uh, hopefully you'll have some little issues that you can practice on, like I think a a tension headache would be a good place to practice. Uh, maybe even a trip to the dentist, but you might say, no, no, I'm not ready to forego the pain meds there. Let's try something else. I get a great story about acid indigestion, and I think uh, if I tell a headache, how to heal a headache, a little acid indigestion, uh, colds and flus, uh, that kind of thing, maybe that will help. Maybe that will be a good intro for you. Again, you've got to get the basics. I can't just give you an endless series of techniques because there's too many situations. And, uh, again, it wouldn't be personal. I want you to use your own imagery and trust yourself once you understand the basics here. And, again, I think there's three elements to this. To provide over matter pain control, to manage, to mitigate, to alleviate pain and discomfort from illness, injury, or even the visit to the dentist. 
and, in, and, and the accelerated healing that automatically accrues, um, you need to do three things, basically. Deeply relax, as in a very good meditation, okay? Visualize, so-called guided imagery. See a progressive movie in your mind. It can be slow motion. You can pause it. I don't suggest you rewind it. I don't suggest you go backwards. It's very important to, to, to visualize in a progressive manner from the problem forward to the solution, from the malady forward to an image of perfect natural health. That's your affirmation. Perfect. Don't say normal. Because normal for you might be sick. Perfect natural health. And that's the affirmation. So deep physical relaxation, mental imagery, and then positive language, suggestions, sets of instructions, or affirmations. Okay. Now let me give you some real-world examples from my life. When I was very young and had just moved from Michigan to Los Angeles, I had no job. I came out to be a big radio star, and it took a little bit of work to get on the radio in Southern California. And uh, so in the meantime, I had a lot of odd jobs, including working as a uh, electronic parts supply guy at a store on Vine, uh, right next to the Hollywood Ranch Market. And this was in the late 70s. Hollywood Ranch Market was still there, but a lot of you remember it. Right across from the ABC Vine Street Studios, where Steve Allen used to do his Tonight Show. And I worked in that store. At, um, I remember I was getting a uh, um, hundred to eight dollars a week for a forty-hour week, and I got a very bad case of acid indigestion one day. And I knew my boss was not going to let me go next door to the ranch market to buy Rolaids and pumps, but he had to let me go to the bathroom. So I didn't say anything about my acid stomach and how much it hurt, this heartburn. Uh, I just said, i got to use the, the, the John. I'm going to El Bambio and uh, to the, the Skip to the Lou, and I'll be back right, in a, just a few minutes. Not knowing what to do, and I tried drinking a little water, but it, it really didn't seem to work. So I just went into one of the stalls, frankly, and closed the door and left my slack still up just sat down on the on the uh, throne there. I didn't know what else to do. And then I thought, well, let's visualize it. Let's practice what you preach here. I just learned some stuff at Gnosis. So I closed my eyes, and without inventing or causing myself to think in a particular way, just remaining open and receptive as I moved into states of relaxation with breathing and a feeling of letting go, I got an image in my stomach of two faucets, and one said acid and one said base. And this is a surprise to me, and I go, oh, well, that, that makes perfect sense. Well, the acid faucet was dripping. Let's tighten that. And because the stomach is acidic, let's open the base faucet a little bit. This is all in my imagination. And let the base run and neutralize it. Well, I couldn't remember the, my, my high school chemistry. I forgot is a high pH acid or is a low pH acid. So I couldn't I, I, I couldn't remember. So I figured, well, I need some sort of beater. I'll just make a beater that's half green and half red, and see the needle <laughs> going toward the green. And when 
when it moves into the green, then I'll turn off the base faucet. Uh, this all took about two and a half, three minutes. I felt much better immediately, though I still had a little twinge in it. I stood up, took a deep breath, and walked back to my workstation. Now maybe a total of four minutes has elapsed. I felt great. Not only did I heal my acid indigestion, I never had a problem with acid indigestion after that. I could eat hot peppers and spicy foods, and I never had a problem. I not only fixed the temporary condition, I trained my body. Is that fascinating? Isn't that amazing? Same thing when you use pain control on a little cut or a bruise. Um, once you begin to do this, the body learns, and there will come a time pretty quickly where you don't even have to close your eyes and relax to do pain control. For little injuries and, and, and minor discomforts, it, it becomes a training that kicks in automatically. Tension headaches or even migraines is another good area. And whatever occurs to you, you know, if your headache feels like there's a spring that's wound up inside your head, then you would spend three to five minutes in a deeply relaxed state visualizing the spring unwinding, right? If your headache feels like your head's in a vice or a clamp, relax with breathing and a letting go feeling and visualize yourself unwinding the vice, you see. Uh, a nice another nice technique for headaches is to imagine that the pain or the discomfort of the headache is like dirty oil in the crankcase of a car. And imagine there's a drain plug at the base of your neck, just above your shoulder. If you do this in normal consciousness, you'll benefit, but not nearly as much because your attention is scattered over so many different ideas all trying to get your attention. That's the monkey mind of normal consciousness. But when you relax and the heart becomes calm, the body becomes still, then the mind becomes quiet. And every thought has much more power, is much more effective. And so imagine in these deeply relaxed states of mental clarity, quiet mind, and calm, tranquil heart, that you pull the plug on the base of the neck and drain, experience the process of all that oil that represents the pain and discomfort just being drained out of the inside of your head. And then even imagine going in there and somehow spraying and cleaning out the inside. Colds and flus. If you jump on it right away, you could beat a cold or a flu. You usually will get 12 to 24 hour notice, uh, some vague or subtle symptom in your body, maybe in the back of your throat, your tonsils, I still have tonsils, that's where I know it's coming on, uh, or something goes on, you, you feel a little achy. Boy, if you jump on it right away with these techniques, you'll make an extraordinary difference. If you wait a day to find out if you were right and you really <laughs> yeah, I really I was right. I'm coming down with a cold or a flu. Uh, you may have waited too long. You've got to jump immediately on these symptoms and work with them whatever symptom occurs. For example, I mentioned that I still have tonsils and adenoids. So I get like a 24-hour notice in the back of my throat where these tonsils are. 
So what do I do? I close my eyes, take a couple of slow, deep breaths and relax, and visualize these tonsils, however they occur. And maybe they, in my mind's eye, appear to be red and swollen. And it doesn't really matter if it's a profoundly accurate representation. It could be cartoonish or, or symbolic of the area. It doesn't have to look like a plate from Gray's Anatomy. Whatever is your frame of reference, whatever is your frame of reference, the way that you understand it or see it, work with that. Trust your first impression. And so if my tonsils appear to be a little red and swollen, uh, I remember the first time I did this, I, I thought, well, what will I do? And suddenly, instantaneously, magically, in my imagination, a bunch of tiny little one-millimeter firemen with little yellow jackets and ladders and hoses came running out in my mind's eye, hosing down the tonsils, putting out the fire, washing away any bad fluids or whatever. I know it sounds silly, but it works. It works with kids, it works with adults, it works with people of all ages if they're willing to trust their imagination. And uh, any other illness or injury, put your attention on it. That's the biggest mistake we make in prolonging our suffering and prolonging the rate at which we heal. We push it away. We try to ignore it and go the other way. And so once again, just like emotional pain, we must face it. We must put our attention on it. And then the three steps, deep relaxation, the slow breathing, the letting go of physical tension that so many of you know in practice, the visualization, See that area moving progressively, even if in slow motion or maybe accelerated motion like a time-lapse movie. From the problem to the solution, from the illness to perfect natural health, okay, from the injury to the healing. Always forward. In any given session, don't go back. Always forward. And then accompany the relaxation and the visualization with affirmation, positive imagery, I'm getting better and better. Even if you just don't have to say it out loud, say it to yourself. I can feel the pain and discomfort going away. Gosh, it's really working. Isn't this cool? Isn't this far out? Okay. There's a great quote by Paulo Coelho in The Alchemist. He says, the universe conspires with you when you follow your heart. Whether you're pursuing a dream in life, a goal, or working to heal your body in this way and, and care for yourself, the universe does conspire to support the healing. You, Life is growth, and healing is growth. So healing is an integral part of life. Your body wants to heal. If you, In most cases, if you do nothing, your body will heal. That's the miracle. There's no miracle in what I'm talking about, that you heal autonomically is the miracle. And you don't have to understand it or do anything about it. And in most cases, you get better. But some cases are tenacious. A cancer could be aggressive. Heart disease uh, or, you know, uh, all, all manner of disease can be debilitating and weakening you and, and, and eating you alive, uh, decaying. And uh, so you need to address that because there is 
as part of the life force, the Elan Vital, the Chi, the Kundalini, the Prana, uh, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. Okay. How about love? Life is love. Love grows. Life grows. Love, life, growth, healing, all the same thing. Life is love, is growth, is healing, is refinement, in no particular order. Okay, they're all qualities of love. And so know that you have a wind at your back in this regard. Your body wants to heal. You will come to an end of your days. Hopefully, it will be a long time from now. There will be an end. That maybe we should do a program on death and dying, the stages of death and dying at some point. Because uh, it's a, even that is a pretty marvelous opportunity for transformation. But the disease process and even healing injury is an opportunity for you to be more responsible and more powerful and it's sort of like, my goodness, if I can do this, imagine what else I can It became an anchor for me as I became better and better at physical healing. I began to say to myself, gosh, if putting my attention on this pain, this injury or illness makes a difference, and I can do this, I can alleviate this pain, and I can greatly accelerate the healing process than what else I do and I anchored into that it became a touchstone and a way for me to give myself more credit than perhaps I had in the past and just continue to get more and more powerful and effective in my life again not power over others but power within myself all right, let's do a little exercise, and we'll call it a day here. I've got just about three or four minutes before the top of the hour, and um, lots of folks here online still. Appreciate that. So if you can, oh, let me check the question, see if anybody has anything specific here. Uh, from Garden Grove, Jacques says, do you believe that 9-11 was an inside job? <laughs> You know, I'd be happy to uh, address that on another occasion. Uh, I will say that it's much too complex to say that it was or was not. Uh, I tend to believe that it was because I know that Bush and Cheney are capable of uh, just about anything we can imagine. I tend to think it was not because it went so well, and Bush and Cheney uh, are incompetent and not able to do anything they try to do. So I think it's a combination. These false flags things are fascinating to talk about. It's sort of like FDR knew about Pearl Harbor. Here I am in Hawaii and did nothing about it because of the benefits that would come by getting us involved in the, in the war in the Pacific. So uh, I'll talk about that, Jacques, sometime. Not today. Not more than I've just said. Uh, I guess I'm in the middle of it. Uh, it's fascinating. It's just fascinating, but that's something we can talk about right now. Send me an email, and maybe we'll, uh, maybe I can have a private exchange with you, and we can in the future talk a little politics one day. You know, to whatever extent I ever do politics on this call, 
I'll tell you right now, it's going to be in the direction of personal empowerment and what can you as an individual do about it. But I'm intrigued by this stuff, and I must say, people out here in Hawaii are incredibly progressive, and the Public Access TV runs Loose Change and Alex Jones, and people out here in Hawaii are all over this uh, this stuff. So, anyway, thanks for that. Okay, let's do a little uh, pain control or visualization exercise here. So, if you can, if you're able to, close your eyes and begin to relax. Create a sense throughout your body from head to toe, a feeling of letting go. Muscles unwinding. You can actually feel the muscles in your body relaxing. And then revisit the areas where you know you tend to gather tension and feel an even deeper letting go as you breathe two or three nice, slow, deep breaths, pulling in strength and power as you inhale and as you exhale, ah, feel that sigh of relief, a sigh of release. Feel the letting go. And then imagine yourself in your mind's eye in a beautiful place of perfect peace, a paradise, a garden, an Eden. And imagine that you're walking through this garden. It's a beautiful, even magical or enchanted place. And there are mountains, if you wish there to be mountains, and there are magical valleys. There are sunny, warm meadows and cool, shady, forested places. There's a little lake and a stream that spills into the lake. And you can be anywhere you want, high in the mountain, deep in the valley, at the seaside, in a desert, whatever, or a tropical paradise. Whatever for you feels beautiful and peaceful, allow my voice to go with you. And hear the sounds and smell the fragrances of this beautiful, beautiful place. Sit on the earth, maybe beside the water, next to the little pond or the stream. Sit upon the earth. And imagine yourself sitting in front of a computer or television screen of some sort, even though you're in this natural wilderness and you're sitting on the earth outdoors, imagine that there is a screen of some sort in front of you, like a, a computer monitor or a television screen, and that you have a few controls that you can manipulate to see inside your body. And let's take something as common as a tension headache or eye strain. And imagine on that screen an image of how that headache occurs to you. Now, if at this point you actually have some sort of pain or discomfort, work on that. Go If your lower back is hurting or if you got a bellyache or cramping from menstruation or you got a cold or a flu and you're just sort of achy, whatever, focus on that. And for the rest of us, 
let's just use tension headache. And visualize as if on that monitor in front of you an image of how it looks, an image of how the discomfort, the pain looks. And it might be very literal, again, like a page from Gray's Anatomy or an Alex Gray painting. You know, beautiful imagery, very detailed and accurate of that area. But it could be symbolic. It could even be not only symbolic and figurative, but even cartoonish. It doesn't really matter. When a brain surgeon visualizes and projects healing to a mental image of, of did I say a brain or a heart surgeon, uh, that that's no more or less effective than a child visualizing the heart as a valentine with a bit of lace and just fixing a little tear in the valentine with scotch tape. Whatever is your frame of reference, literal or symbolic, see first the malady. Imagine seeing how the discomfort of the last headache you had might have appeared to you. Or if you're working currently on a very real pain or discomfort, wherever it is in your body. See it portrayed on that screen in whatever way occurs to you. Notice the coloration. Notice, does it appear to be swelled? Is there some other indication of a problem there that, that either literally or figuratively just doesn't look right? Imagine that by manipulating the controls in front of you, you can rotate this image and look at it from any angle. You can even, like a CAT scan or an MRI, move within and see this headache pain or discomfort or any other pain or discomfort you happen to be working on now. Not only in 3D, but from all angles and at all layers. And then just sit back. Take your hands off the controls and see this imagery beginning to change, to progress toward whatever is your image of perfect health. You see the change. If, if the area is swollen somehow, you see the swelling slowly go down. If it appears to be infected somehow, and you get an image of invading germs, a virus or a bug, Imagine white blood cells or T cells or your body's immune and regenerative system moving in to attack and defeat and restore balance and dominance in that area. However it occurs to you, people with cancer tumors can imagine blasting them with a ray gun. If you're a little kid, you know, that's a a great image of flying in like the Millennium Falcon or Star Wars and zapping that tumor. Kabam, kabam, with your magic ray. But it's just as effective to perhaps massage the affected area with your hands. This is great for back pain and other discomfort as well. Imagine that there's a set of hands on the outside of your body massaging that area. 
But imagine another set of hands inside the body, massaging the area, comforting, soothing, and feel the discomfort, the pain, ebbing, slowly going away, feeling better and better as you let go of the pain. Imagine reassuring the area of your body, whatever area it is, the headache we're using as an example or any other area that you might be working on. Imagine that it's an area that's frightened, that the cells and the organs here are scared and they need to be comforted by you. And you comfort the tissue, the muscle, the organ, as you would a child after a bad nightmare. Embrace it with soothing, rocking motion and a soothing voice, saying you're getting better and better even now, every day, every way, with every tick of the clock, every second that, that goes by, feeling better, healing, natural healing, and finish after three to five minutes. Worst-case scenario for really serious illness and injury like heart disease, cancer, tumors, that kind of thing, 15 minutes at most. For the most serious, 15 minutes three times a day, but many things like headaches and aches and cramps, three to five minutes of this, finishing with an image of natural health. Feel the deep peace in the body. Notice your ability to visualize, to focus your attention through the mind's eye, and the positive set structures, the, the affirmations, getting better, swelling being reduced, that red color returning slowly to normal, of a, a funky texture uh, going back to whatever seems to you be natural, emphasize perfect, natural health, getting better and better every day in every way. That's all you need to know to begin to practice and very soon become very, very effective at managing pain and benefiting from the accelerated healing that follows on naturally and normally with deep relaxation guided imagery and affirmation, positive statements. Now take a slow, deep breath and imagine as you exhale, moving slowly and gently toward the sound of my voice, reorient yourself, remember the space in which you sit, and as it feels comfortable and appropriate for you, open your eyes, wide awake and alert, refreshed and rested, feeling fine feeling better and better. And that's it, gang. That's pretty much it for accelerated healing through pain management. And again, check out some of those books. I talked about Louise Hay, Heal Your Body. Any book by Dr. Sarno about healing back pain, S-A-R-N-O, Dr. John Sarno. Also, I think classic in the field, uh, Dr. Ernest Holmes, The Science of Mind, 
this is the basis of a uh, quasi-Christian religion called religious science. It is, how can I say, uh, it is not Christian science. It's not simply the power of prayer and asking God to heal for you, nor the dogmatic, I will refuse to take this kid to the doctor because we believe in God. Uh, religious science is just that. It's it's a science. Well, Christian science calls itself a science, so does Scientology. But don't confuse religious science with Christian science or Scientology. Um, actually, a lot of religious science uh, churches are changing their name, like Agape. Some of you know Agape in Culver City with Michael Beckwith. That's a religious science church. That's all based on Ernest Holmes and Ageless Wisdom stuff. But they changed the name to Agape. And uh, many of the other religious science churches are doing that. Also, there's a, a quasi-Christian religion called Unity. And both of these churches, religious science and Unity, um, really follow uh, Christianity from the point of view of Jesus Christ as the healer who uh, raised the uh, the sick and uh, uh, did so much healing. And uh, it's odd that Christians would not study healing. Christ spent so much of his life healing and saying, you can do these things. I, I These things I do, you can do it more. So uh, you might want to check out Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. I think it's a great book. It's a little pithy. It's thick and it's it's deep, but... You guys are listening to me. You can handle Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. And then check the bibliographies in the back of these books also for similar books. Okay. Uh, there's just no reason to suffer. You don't have to be sick if pain is your friend. It tells you how to heal. All right. By the way, you can always email me at mb at michaelbenner.com. My initials at my name.com. mb at michaelbenner.com. I read all my email, I answer all of my email, and uh, be happy to follow up with you, talk to Jacques about 9-11 or any other issue uh, that you might talk about. I, I believe in short emails. I don't, I don't want long diatribes, but we can always communicate that way. Remember the archive or the past programs, the Sunday afternoon Ageless Wisdom event, uh, teleseminar, is archived both on my website, michaelbenner.com or theagelesswisdom.com. They both go to the same place. Click on Homepage and then Teleseminar, and there's an archive of all the past programs you can listen to. Or you can go to the blog, theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com. Remember the T-H-E, theagelesswisdom.blogspot.com. And you'll find an archive of all the newsletters, the emailed invitations, each of which has the web link uh, that brought you to the event when it was live and will take you to the replay forevermore uh, after it's already happened. And again, I encourage you to share that with your friends. Also on the page in front of you, you're still at the website, I presume. Some of you may be on the phone. You'll see the button in the lower right, Wage Inner Peace. Check that out. Meditation is a way of waging inner peace, and we've got to learn this in a non-dogmatic, non even a non-religious way. There's no reason that we have to think of meditation as a as a religious practice. 
if it works to know God and to know yourself, then it ought to work to help you find your lost car keys uh, to better understand your emotions or to figure out what to do solving a problem in a given situation. It's just a very powerful way of focusing the essence of who we are as mental, emotional, physical, and ultimately spiritual creatures. Practice, 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 okay? Three things I want you to do in your life to be the best you can be. Study, which includes coming to these kinds of seminars and classes and, and reading good books and, um, you know, visiting the Bodhi Tree and the Psychic Eye and the metaphysical bookstores and build your collection. You've got to also meditate, whatever you call it. It might be, I do guided imagery or I do yoga or I have this closed eye thing I learned in martial arts or uh, I do uh, progressive muscular relaxation, uh, biofeedback, whatever it happens to be. Practice meditation, deep relaxation, and then mindfulness. I'd like to talk more about mindfulness in the future. I just found out there's a research center at UCLA uh, studying the nature of mindfulness in all of our daily life and affairs. To be awake, to wake up, to, to break out of the trance, that most of us have spent our entire lives in, and our fellow human beings continue as sleepwalkers to be in a kind of a trance. How could one-third of Americans think George Bush is doing a good job? Okay, 28% still. More than a quarter, more than one in four think, Bushy, you're doing a great job. There's war, there's food riots, uh, the world is in a horrible uh, situation. It's the sleepwalkers. The enemy is always ignorant. It's not this political party or that political party. It's not, you know, people of color on the other side of the world who have different belief systems. Uh, the enemy, that, that's not it. The enemy is in each of us. It's the shadow. It's what we don't know about ourselves and therefore the world around us. Know thyself. Be true to yourself. This is the universal solution. And the three steps, again, study, meditate, and be mindful, awake in your daily life. Thank you so much for being here and giving me the opportunity to talk to you from coast to coast, from uh, what do we have today here from uh, Montreal, Quebec, uh, a couple of different people in Pittsburgh, uh, I know there's some folks in the Midwest listening, and most of you, of course, in Southern California. Thank you very much for being here. Let me get your emails. Look for my email to you for next week's event, and tell your friends. Okay, free event. Also, check that button, as I said, Wage Inner Peace Now. That will take you to the podcast that Steve and I do every week. It's only 99 cents, and uh, you get two. Uh, uh, two people in conversation. I think it's some of the best stuff we've ever done. Steve agrees. So for a silly 99 cents a week, you can support yourself and support the effort to wage inner peace. Got to learn these skills so we can teach other people. Voting is not enough. Going to the rally is not enough. Direct action is not enough. Sitting in at the lunch counter and raising hell. We got to do all of that stuff, but it's not enough. We've got to train the mind to train the heart, be who we truly are. Some significant number of people with inner peace can create peace in the world, but 
we cannot have ever peace or justice in the world so we learn to hold it in our minds and our hearts. Again, thanks for the opportunity to be here and talk to you today. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui, Hawaii.